Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. We have been talking about this series called As It Is in Heaven, and I felt like the Lord wanted to uh, continue with that this week. And so as I was preparing, there's been a message that I'd been had prepared to speak on for two different Sundays, and then uh, we just didn't go that direction. So I'm going to jump into it today. So if you've got your Bibles, let's get those out. We love the Word of God here. We get a little excited when we open the Bible, so don't get nervous. We just love the Word of God. We believe that it's the manual for heaven on earth. So if you've got your Bibles, come on, let's open them up today to Matthew chapter 6. Woo! Yes, sir. Excited about the Word of God. Hey, if you have your uh, Uversion Bible app, you can get the sermon notes available there as well. Note takers are world changers. Matthew chapter 6. Everybody ready? All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your love. Thank you for your Word. Your Word is truth. Holy Spirit, you are the one who guides us into all truth, and so I just welcome you to speak revelation. I I pray that you will open our ears and our hearts to the truth of heaven. Thank you, Jesus. We want to see you and hear you. We just bind every lie and every deception of the enemy, and we pray for liberty right now as your word comes out in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, this is the what's called traditionally the Lord's Prayer. It's really the prayer that he told the disciples to pray. We could call it the disciples' prayer. But it's. uh, I'm just going to jump in in verse 9, just a couple verses. We've been talking about this for several weeks now. But it says, Jesus speaking, it's in the red. It says, in this manner, therefore pray. So in this way, I want you to pray. Not multiple ways, not however you think you ought to, not what you think is right, not what I think is right. He gives them a model. He says, I want you to pray in this manner. Our Father in heaven. So where is our Father? He's in heaven. So we need to understand we have a Father in heaven. So we need to look at him as a Father. Have a, it's a relational concept, not a theoretical concept. Christianity is not a concept from a religious standpoint, it's a relationship standpoint. It's not just, I know that he's up there, he's the big guy upstairs. No, we have a father. You have a father. Well, you say, well, I didn't have a good father. Well, you got a better one in heaven. Even if you had a good one here on the earth, he's better than that. No disrespect to any of our fathers. He's just the best. He's the best. We got to look at him that way. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name, set apart is your name, we magnify his name. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So this is the part I want to focus on in verse 10 when he says to pray this way. Remember we're praying, that's the context here, is Jesus telling us to pray your kingdom come and your will be done. So I want you to pray to him like this. So when we're praying, his kingdom come and his will be done, what I want to talk about today and touch on in the time that we have remaining is that when his kingdom comes and when his will is done, all other kingdoms and all other wills have to take a back seat. So when I'm praying for his will to be done, I'm automatically, even if not intentionally, praying for other wills not to be done. 
Are you tracking with me? So when I pray for his kingdom to come, I'm praying for other kingdoms to go. Notice the priority. He doesn't say pray that kingdoms will go. He doesn't say pray that other wills will stop. He says pray that my kingdom will come. And pray that my will be done. When I focus on his kingdom, his system, his ways coming, and his will being done, all the others have to go. So the priority in our life as Christians is not to focus on what we stop doing. That's religion. It's not to focus on what we don't want around us anymore. It's what we want around us, what we do want around us. It's to focus on If I want to be in his presence, I automatically won't be in other people's presence. If I want his kingdom to come in my life, I automatically won't want the kingdom of darkness in my life. We've got it backwards. We thought, well, if I can just stop doing that and stop doing that and and stop going to those bad places and stop watching those bad things, then I'll be good. We're not automatically good because of what we do without The priority in Christianity and relationship is to come to him and seek after him. Then everything else just doesn't measure up. It's a love relationship with him that causes lesser loves to fall away. So we're praying this. Your kingdom come and your will be done. So when we agree, when we pray that his will will come and be done in our life, we're going to create conflict. When we ask for God's ways to come into our life, for God's will to come into our life, it's automatically going to create conflict or disagreements. Anything that's not of God is going to get in conflict with the will of God. So that's not your choosing necessarily. You're just saying, Lord, I want your ways to come into my heart. Automatically, anything in my heart that's not of God is going to have conflict. So here's what we want to focus on today. When we bring the will of God, the will of heaven into our world, into our inner being, into ourselves and into the world around us, it will create a conflict. So now when we choose to agree with him and we choose for him to come into our hearts, this conflict has to be addressed. Here's two folds of the conflict I want to talk about. Number one, there should be an internal conflict. That internal conflict is called conviction. That when I ask the kingdom of heaven or when I just ask Jesus to come into my life, his ways to come into my life, it should bring a conviction of any other ways in my life that are not like his. Like when I have thoughts and feelings and attitudes that are not like his, when he comes into my heart, all of those other things should be like a neon sign going, something's wrong. Whenever he comes in, conviction is not condemnation. We have so watered down conviction in churchianity and brought grace to the supreme level that no one feels conviction anymore. They feel like, well, don't judge me. Stop judging me. No, no, we're not judging anyone. It's just not biblical. There are certain things that are just conviction. We should feel conviction about sin. We shouldn't feel like, well, just tell me it's okay. It's not okay. 
Just tell me it's okay to have sex outside of marriage, please. No, it's not. Boy, you're coming out strong early. Well, I'm just saying we've lost conviction because we want to do what we want to do, how we want to do it, when we want to do it, right? So we just don't get convicted about it. We'll say things like that. Well, I'm, I'm really not convicted about that. But the Bible says it's wrong. I know, but I'm not convicted about it. What we're saying is I still want to do it even though I know it's wrong. So whenever the kingdom of heaven comes, there should be an internal conflict between the forces of darkness, the forces of the world, and the kingdom of heaven. Then there also, when the kingdom of heaven comes into our life, there also will be external conflict. Anybody ever had their life change and not everybody around you was glad about it? Some of the people that got baptized this morning may have made Jesus the Lord of their life and found out that not everybody was happy about their decision. Whenever the kingdom of heaven comes in our life, it will create conflict in two places. Now, when I say conflict, people get a little nervous. Let me define what I mean by conflict according to Webster's Dictionary. It means this, competitive, I like that word already, competitive or opposing action of incompatibles. Conflict, internal conflict and external conflict. Opposition of forces. Whenever the ways of God come into our life, there's going to be a conflict of incompatibles. The ways of God and the ways of the kingdom of darkness cannot coexist. The ways of the flesh and the ways of God will not cooperate with each other. They're opposing forces. So now whenever God says the kingdom of heaven come into our life, he's saying, be ready for that internal conflict and external conflict. So as we're examining our lives and our hearts, we're being open to say, wait a minute, I've got to realize that there may be some things in my life that need to go the closer I get to Jesus. The more we pursue Jesus, the more conviction we should feel. Why? Because we're coming closer to the pure image of God in Jesus. So if we want to be Christians... What does Christian mean? Christ-like. Christian does not mean church-goer. That's the Western world definition of Christian. Oh, yes, I'm a Christian. I go to church. No, you're not. Just because you go to church doesn't mean you make you a Christian. Christian means Christ-like, that we're wanting to be like him. Well, Chad, nobody's perfect. I get it. I'm not perfect. I'll be the first one to admit I'm far from perfect. But being imperfect, there's a difference. There's a difference. This is something God spoke in the first service. There's a difference of being imperfect and me giving permission to my imperfection. Sometimes we give permission to our imperfections. In other words, we just say, we'll come across this cliche and say, well, nobody's perfect, and that just means I don't want to change my life. That's a crutch. They'll say, well, nobody's perfect. I know. Stop sinning. That's what Jesus said to the woman caught in adultery. He extended her grace. He said, where are those who condemn you? Nobody's here to condemn you, but he said, here's the one to convict you. 
Go your way and sin no more. What you're doing is wrong. Stop doing it. I am here to convict you. Nobody's here to condemn you. Big difference. So we've got to understand this dynamic of when the kingdom of heaven comes, it's not going to fit into the world's ways. The kingdom of heaven is not supposed to fit into a world that does not follow the blueprint of heaven. Look at John 18, 36. We're going to spend a little time in John, the book of John, the gospel of John, right after Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John 18, 36. Turn fast. Push fast, whatever you need to do. I'm just going to read some of these verses. Maybe I should use the word quickly. It's an adverb. That would be proper grammar. Sorry. Quickly. How you turn quickly. Yeah. Sorry. Just talking amongst myself. Letting you turn. Had someone highlight to me that I used the word fishes in the first service. So I apologize for my grammar. Let me just go ahead and apologize for a lot of grammatical mistakes I'm going to make during this presentation. John 18, 36, have you found it? says, Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. When we're talking about this world, we're not just talking about earth, we're talking about a worldly system. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, they would defend me so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. Excuse me. But now my kingdom is not from here. Notice what he said. Jesus is talking, my kingdom's not from here. Too many times I believe we're trying to fit into places we're not from. We're trying to fit into this world system. We're not from here. We're trying to look like this world. We're not from here. The church is trying to act like the world. We're not from here. The church church is trying to please the world. We're not supposed to please the world. We're supposed to please Jesus. We're not supposed to build the church model around what pleases the world. What does the world think the church service should look like? Why are we asking the world? We should be asking Jesus. Why do you want people to be comfortable? I I don't really think the Lord wants us to be comfortable as he wants us to be consecrated. I think he wants us to be set apart to him. I think he wants us to be looking to Jesus and say, Lord, what do you want us to do? But too many times the church has even adapted this mindset is that we need to water down the word and make it something that the world is okay with so nobody feels bad when they leave church. I just want to go somewhere where I'm going to feel good afterwards. I understand. I want to feel good all the time. But feel good is not always be good. My wife and I were talking about an influencer that was talking, talking about something they were doing, and they said, we just adopted this philosophy that if it feels good, we just do it. This philosophy is going to be the demise of a generation that embraces feeling over the kingdom of heaven. We're not from, we're not from the world. Philippians 3.20 says our citizenship is in heaven. We're trying to fit into places we're called to change. We're, try, we're called to be change agents and we're trying to blend in and not be any different. That's not what the Bible says. He says the kingdom of heaven should come and it should bring conflict. It should bring difference and opposing forces. Not hatred, but conflict. Not anger, but conflict. You can have conflict with people and not be angry. You can have conflict with people and not be hateful. 
You're bringing an opposing view. That's conflict. I'm bringing an opposing perspective. That's conflict. I'm not bringing hatred to you as an individual. I'm bringing a kingdom of heaven viewpoint on this situation. So now, if we embrace the kingdom of heaven, we will automatically oppose the kingdom of this world. Look at John chapter 17. John 17. We'll stay here in John. 17, I'm going to start reading in verse 14. Jesus said, I have given them your word. This is Jesus praying to the Father, okay? And he says to the Father, I have given them your, your word. Everybody look at your Bible, look at your phone, your device, whatever you, the Bible is on. He said, I have given them your word and the world has hated them. Because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Notice that Jesus gave his disciples the word and that word caused the world to hate them. Verse 16, they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. So Jesus is not of the world. Verse 17, sanctify them. What does sanctify mean? Sanctify means to be sacred, to set apart, to be holy, pure, devoted, distinct, dedicated to God. The truth of God's word does two things. Number one, it will cause us to be devoted and dedicated to Jesus. The truth of God's word in our heart. When we read the Bible as we're pursuing a person, it will cause us to be dedicated and set apart to Jesus. Secondly, it will cause us to be separated from the world. The first one is a priority. It's dedicated unto him, and when we're dedicated unto him, we automatically move away from the world. Sanctification is a twofold process. You heard the word sanctification? It's kind of a churchy word, but it's a very important churchy word. The word sanctification, actually biblical, not just churchy, but it means separated unto something. So we're getting closer to Jesus, and the closer we get to Jesus, all of a sudden we get further and further away from sin. We don't just try and get away from sin. Stay away from sin. Get away. Don't get around sin. No, just get closer to Jesus, and the more we get closer to him, sin gets further away from us. We're trying to avoid things and calling that righteousness. Don't try and avoid things and stay out of things and then I'll be right with God. No, just pursue him. Go after him. That's sanctification. Our yes to Jesus has to be more important than our no to the world. Man, I gotta say that again. Our yes to Jesus has to be stronger than our no's to the world. If I give him my yes, I'm automatically given certain things in the world no. If I give him yes, I'm automatically given pornography, no. If I'm giving him my yes, I'm automatically given unforgiveness, no. I'm losing people. That's all right. If we give him, if we give him our yes, there's certain vulgarity that's automatically going to be given a no. I give him my yes to my eyes, then all of a sudden now certain movies get a no. When he has my yes, it automatically produces the no's that I need. 
But if I just determine what my no's are, that doesn't mean I've ever given a yes. I can give a lot of no's and never give Jesus a yes. I can stop all kinds of stuff and never give him my heart. That's that's called self-righteousness. That's called works. That I, I, you know, I do this, I give the poor, I do good deeds, I do this, I do that, I do that. I think I'm a pretty good person. Hear this constantly. Said, well, I think I'm pretty good. I think I've done enough good things. There's never anything good of ourselves. It's only Jesus and his righteousness. So yes to him. Look at John chapter 7. No, no, John chapter 15. John chapter 15. John 7's next. Don't get ahead of me. John 15. Did I ever read John 17? I did. Did I? Okay. That's what happens when you have multiple services. John 15. Look at verse 18. It says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Who's talking here? Jesus. Jesus said, if the world hates you, you know it hated me before it hated you. So did the world love Jesus or hate Jesus? It hated Jesus according to Jesus' own words. Said, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, underline that, circle it, stare at it, make sure and highlight it. You are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Not of the world. We're not of this world. But now, don't just think in the negative here. Here's the trick. We can get concentrated and say, I'm not of this world. Therefore, I'm not of those people. I'm not of those sinful people. Don't limit it to just that application. We can apply that in certain contexts. But not of this world means in better application to me, I'm not limited to this world. It's not just that I'm not of this world like I don't associate with those evil, sinful people. No, no, no. I'm talking about more than that. I'm not limited to what the world has to offer in my life. In other words, my peace and joy, fruit of the Spirit, is not limited to things happening to me. I have access to something greater than me. We're not of this world. We're not of this world. We're not limited to this world. We got greater access to something bigger. So when the kingdom of heaven comes in, it's going to create conflict. The world, the world system is going to hate it. One thing we have to understand, the world hates the word of God. It hates the word of God. The world system hates the word of God. This is why it's even creeping into the church to take away from the validity of the word of God. That we're watering it down and we're not going by the true word. This is the enduring word of the living God. This is not just a book. This is an assembly of scriptures Over 1,600 years, people writing together, dozens of authors writing on the same topic all throughout Scripture over 1,600 years with one unified voice pointing to Jesus. But some are saying, well, that's the the Bible. You've got to read the Bible through the current culture. Nowadays, it's not that big a deal to have sex outside of marriage. Everybody does it. So now we're judging convictions based on what everybody's doing, not on what it says. Well, you're just picking on one thing. I'm not picking on one thing. I'm just using one random thing. But we're letting things be determined, gender identity. We're doing that now based on what culture says instead of what the Word of God says, that God created male and female. That's it. 
And what you come out of the womb, that's what you are. You were created a male. You were created a female. You don't get to change that because I have a thought. My thoughts don't determine who I am. My creation is but from my biological construct. But the Bible, again, culture and society say, Chad, you're archaic. You're archaic. I'm not trying to be current with culture. I'm trying to be current with the Word of God. And again, I'm not asking for applause. I'm not asking for applause. I'm just saying because not everybody is appreciative of that stance, and that's okay. I'm not here to make everybody happy. John chapter 7, because Jesus is not here to make me happy. He's here to bring conviction into my life. He's here to change me. He's here to bring me into a place of wholeness. He's here to bring me in a place where my life is going to be transformed to look like him. When the more we're like Jesus, the better we're going to be. It's not just hateful, dis, uh, disrespectful talk. It's really love and joy and peace. That's what's in Jesus. Last verse, maybe. John 7, verse 6. My time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. Look at verse 7. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify. Why does the world hate Jesus? Because I testify of it that, it wor that its works are evil. People say all the time, everybody loved Jesus. And if you, if church people were more like Jesus, everybody, I hear this whenever you say anything about conviction, you say about anything being wrong. Well, if you were more like Jesus, you wouldn't talk like that because Jesus loved everyone. Jesus absolutely loved everyone, but not everybody loved Jesus. Some people hated Jesus. Why did they hate Jesus? He said, because I testify that their works are evil. You know why pe certain people didn't like Jesus? Because he told them what they were doing was wrong. Nobody's ever going to be mad at you for saying Jesus loves you. Nobody's ever going to be mad at you for feeding people, clothing people, doing good deeds. Everybody's going to love that. Everybody's going to think that's acceptable. That's what the church should do. I love it when people outside of the, in the world tell the church what the church should be doing. The church should be telling us it's okay. They should be accepting us for who we are. They should be loving. They should be doing this. They've done, and never once using the scripture to tell me what we should be doing. So whenever people say, well, Jesus loved everybody and everybody loved Jesus, I look at this scripture when Jesus said, the world hated me. Why did it hate me? Because I testified that their works are evil. The only time the world's going to start hating you is when you start saying, this is wrong. Not according to my opinion. Do not listen to my opinion. My opinion matters none. This opinion is what matters. I'm here to not to give you our doctrine or our theology or what we believe. I'm just telling you what it says. This is what we go by. Last scripture, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We'll quit here. Thank you, Jesus. When his kingdom comes, it creates a conflict. And there's two responses to the conflict. You either embrace it and say, Jesus, your way is right. Or we defend our rights, our wants, our position. And we say, forget the Bible. Forget that stuff. I want to do what I want. Two responses. That's all we have to the scripture. Whenever God comes in, he brings conflict to our thinking. And how we respond to that conflict is so important. We're either going to embrace his way as truth or we're going to defend our way and justify it. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. It says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. 
For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. This kind of topic, this kind of conversation is deemed old school, uh, out of date, out of touch. I could name a lot of things. But the church has lost its vision for holiness to God. And it's not that, again, we're trying to meet some requirement to be a part of the church. It's, I'm not qualified to be a part of the church on my own righteousness. I'm no different from anyone else outside of Jesus. We're not picking on one certain type of sin. I'm telling you, if we want to talk about sleeping uh, with someone that you're not married to or homosexuality, gender identity, or what about bitterness and unforgiveness and animosity that you have where you hate someone else, where you haven't forgiven that family member for 10 years for what they've done to your life. All these things are issues we need to deal with. What about pride and envy and all of these things? All of it needs to be brought to the foot of the cross. All of us are on the same level. We all come to the foot of the cross. There's only one king, he's Jesus. All of us need Jesus. So this message is not about picking out, cherry picking certain sins and really berating them. It's about saying he is the goal. He's the marker. We pursue him. And when we pursue him, all of a sudden, other things seem to fall away. The closer we get to Jesus, all of a sudden you're like, maybe you look at, oh, Jesus. Sorry, these are one of those internal conversation moments. Yeah, okay. I'm going to step out there. There was a time in my life when I encountered Jesus, and I, I gave him my all, and I said, Lord, I want to come after you. I was engaged to a girl at the time. And after I said, Lord, I'm coming after you, I said, because I wasn't going after him prior to that moment. So I came to the girl that was my fiance at the time, and I said, I'm, I'm going to change because I'm pursuing something differently. So some things are going to have to change with us because I'm going to be different because what I'm going after means this has to go away. You don't have to go away. My sin has to go away, hear me. I didn't reject the person. I said my sin has to stop. I'm going away from sin. You may feel like it's going away from you, but you don't have to feel that way. I'm just, we're going, I'm going after him. So let's go after him, and, but we're gonna walk away from sin. 
People may not always want to pursue what you're pursuing, and they may fall away out of your life, but that's not your responsibility. Your pursuit is to go after him. And if people want to come, come on, let's go after Jesus. But leave the sin behind. Jesus said, whosoever would call upon me can be saved. Come to me, all you're weary and heavy laden. Jesus is open arm to everyone. Everyone. But when we come to him, he says, just leave your sin behind. So today, my encouragement to all of us, as this says, come out from among them and be separate. Church, stop apologizing for being separate. I'm not talking about being hateful. I'm not talking about being uh, better than you, holier than thou, all that type of stuff. I'm not talking about where you can't lower yourself in a position of compassion and love and help people. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about convictions. That when something is anti-biblical, anti-Christ, you're not afraid to say, in love, I'm sorry, but that goes against my principles and against the Word of God. It goes against what the Bible says. To love people enough to share the truth and say, I'm going after Jesus. Will you come with me? Call people out in a loving way to say, hey, that's not God's best for your life. There needs to be conviction in our hearts. Don't feel bad about being convicted. I'm convicted all the time. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.
We hope you enjoyed this message today and that you connected with Jesus. If this message has changed your life and you accepted Jesus as your Savior, well, you can text the word NEW LIFE to the number 618-243-0900. We would love to celebrate with you. If you would like to give to the ministry of The Roads Church, visit our website www.theroads.church for all of our giving options. We would also like to invite you to subscribe to our YouTube channel to receive notifications of our Sunday live services and to discover more of Pastor Chad's teachings. And now we pray that you experience God's presence throughout your day.